It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who can maximize the talent around the Carolina Panthers offense this season? Bryce Young or CJ Stroud? I'll tell you right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I almost said Saturday, but no. During the weekday, Monday through Friday, your team every day. That is our motto here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Fridays I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me if you'd like to get in on the action this week on the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked on Panthers. Going to continue our series of guests here on the show as we are 15 days away from the NFL draft. And I do have a few draft thoughts on David Tepper and what he will be doing as far as his role. As Carolina Panthers still have about two weeks to decide whether it's going to be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. So I'll have those after the interview today. But outside of that, I want to continue to get more perspective from other people out here who are watching the draft closely, who are certainly looking at all these prospects, like a Keith Sanchez, who's a senior NFL draft analyst at the Draft Network. He also is a 2019 national champion over at LSU, where he was a former lead personnel analyst. And he is also the host of the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast alongside Damian Parson. So I want to have Keith on the show to really talk about Bryce Young because, hell, he coached in the SEC. He knows what life in the SEC is like, and Bryce Young's a really small guy, and he's trying to translate to the NFL. Is that possible? He's also seen how good of a defense Georgia is, and we saw C.J. Stroud and Bryce, but really C.J. Stroud, light them up on New Year's Eve. Can C.J. Stroud be that guy? Can he elevate the talent around him here in Carolina after playing with a ridiculous amount of talent up in Columbus at the Ohio State University. So I want to get his thoughts on those guys. BJ Ojolari, we talked about him on Monday with Matt Miller. Could he be there at 39? What other positions could be available at 39? That would make sense for the Carolina Panthers. Some sleepers in the LSU dude, 2019. Who was on that roster? Terrace Marshall, Stephon Sullivan. Got to talk to him about those two guys and how they could potentially fit into the Carolina Panthers offense. Primarily, what Terrace Marshall could do. Can we finally see that leap from year two to three? Now that he's healthy, can Terrace Marshall be at a Pro Bowl level? Because I think he has the talent to do that. Does Keith feel the same way? I'm sure he does. So we'll talk to Keith Sanchez here from the Lockdown NFL Drop podcast in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before we get to Keith, 
Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard me talk about this mobile game app. If you ever have thought you'd make a good general manager, you got to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory, trying to build a historic dynasty. With Ultimate Football GM, you're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of the season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked On Panthers listeners, which means you get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here on Locked on Panthers, as promised, Keith Sanchez, one of the hosts of the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast, alongside Damian Pearson, senior NFL draft analyst for the Draft Network and a 2019 national champion at the Louisiana State University and former lead personnel analyst for Coach Ed Ogeron and the former head coach there, of course, at LSU. Keith, what's going on, man? Man, what's going on, Julie, man? Happy to be on Locked On Panthers, man. You're talking the draft right now. And I have to say, I appreciate the intro, man. That was one of the better ones, if not the best one I've had so far. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, hey, you, you're you a part of the staff of one of the all-time greatest college football teams. So I have to pay you to respect. And I enjoyed watching Joe Burrow, Terrace Marshall, Carolina Panther, and all those players on that offense that past year. And even, of course, defensively, they're fantastic. So had to show you some love, some respect. Appreciate you, of course, coming on here and to chop it up. Because you, As you said, yeah, the Panthers, they've been the talk of the draft since March 10th when they traded up to number one overall to take a quarterback. The only problem with that is, yes, we have plenty to talk about here, but now we're kind of getting to the point where, you know, 15 days to the draft, let's just get the answer. Let's figure out who that's going to be. Is it going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, by your, you know, expertise, who do you look at as the guy the Carolina Panthers should be selecting at number one overall in the draft coming up here in 15 days' time? Yeah, so I, I would say this, man. I think Bryce Young is my QB1. I, I do think, you know, he's QB1 um, just from an instinctual perspective, right? Like the, his feel for the game, his understanding for the game. I know people, obviously, you know, size is going to come into effect, right? But when you watch this guy play football at a high level in the SEC, has thrown for, I think, 90 touchdowns in his career, the production is there, right? Um, But I will say this, for the Carolina Panthers, I think the best fit may be C.J. Stroud. And, and part of that has to do with the um the coaching staff man and I know that you've talked about the coaching staff on this podcast right but I think it's a it's a coaching staff that CJ Stroud I think they can pull the very best out of him 
um, and get him to be an even better pro than what he is a collegiate football player. So I think CJ Stroud should probably be the pick um, for the Lockdown Panthers. I mean, for the Panthers. I'm sorry. I said Lockdown Panthers. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? For me, I think my piece of mind, the, the concern for a lot of fans when it comes to Bryce Young is, is that size. And I don't necessarily want to listen to months-long talk of people being like, oh, well, Bryce is too small. It's not going to work out. So you bring up him being able to play in the SEC, and it's not like he had any severe injury. He had the one uh, shoulder injury where he yeah. hurt himself falling down against Arkansas, and he missed the game against AM. But outside of that, did not have any major injuries. You have coached in the SEC before. You evaluated talent in the SEC. How much of a translation can that be to the NFL? Because, yes, it's the most talented physical conference in college football, but how much can you really take from, all right, Bryce Young was able to survive the SEC, but can he survive the NFL? Yeah, and I, I know, you know, uh, obviously Carolina, that it kind of on that border, right? It's on the border of ACC country and SEC country. So I'm kind of going to sound like a, a SEC homer when I say that, man, listen, I've, you know, had the opportunity, obviously, to play other teams, right, in, in other conferences. And something I always did before the game, and this is just kind of to the scouting background, right? I always went to the other side of the field and looked at those players, right? And just, you know, looked at the body physiques, size, movement, everything else, man. And there's a clear difference when you're talking about the top tier of the SEC, when you're talking about your Alabamas, your Georgias, your LSUs, Florida sprinkled in there, you know, from time to time, and the rest of the country. And I, and I, I hate to, you know, make it seem like I'm downplaying other conferences because they're all talented football players there, but you're talking about on a weekend and week out, and then you're talking about the, I guess, the, the quantity of high-level football players, there is something to it. And I, I look at it like this, Julian, right? This is a guy who played against Georgia um, in that defense, man. Listen, uh, Jordan Davis, right? He didn't get to the NFL and get any bigger. Uh, N'Kobe Dean didn't get to the NFL, get any bigger. Keely Ringo, Chris Smith, Lewis Sign, um, you know, those other two, three linebackers. We have Nolan Smith, Robert Bill. You know, we can Devontae Wyatt, right? Jalen Carter, we can go on and on. And he right. handled that defense well when he played, you know, when he had his weapons. So I think you have to give him credit for being able to do that. Yeah, no, no doubt. I agree with that, too. And the thing is, it'd be different if he had suffered some of the injuries like a Tua Tungabailoa suffered back when he was at Alabama with the tightrope surgeries, the ankle, then the hip, all that far more concerning yeah. than anything that Bryce Young has gone through. Now, I do understand, though, that no one at his weight, it's not just being 5'10". Did you see Kyler Murray out there going and out doing his thing? He's got a second contract. So right now, he, he's fine. We'll see what he looks like with that new coaching staff out in Arizona. But he's having success. But no one has been at that 190 playing weight at the quarterback position and had long-term success, that does not mean that Bryce can't. And In my book, Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft just based off what I saw in college. But you bring up feeling like C.J. Stroud could be the right fit here in Carolina because you think the coaching staff can get the best out of him. We saw the best of C.J. Stroud on New Year's Eve against that exact same Georgia defense that you brought up Bryce Young playing up against as well. Did that basically take you into what C.J. Stroud can be in the NFL that evening against Georgia in the playoff? Yeah, so I, I think, and you may feel the same way, right? Just knowing C.J. Stroud over the past couple of years and having watched his film, right? I think that was like a, a finally moment, right? Everybody knew that he had that in there. And I think that's why it was such a big deal because everybody was like, this is what we've been waiting for, right? We've been waiting for, not for you to, you know, not only sit in the pocket, 
and make those accurate passes, right? But, you know, you have to get out of the pocket, like, show that you're a real game changer, like, you know, be able to throw a 40-yard rope on the run and, you know, hit Marvin Harrison Jr. And then, you know, last year you had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and those guys, and it was – you give them credit because things were in structure, but you wanted to see some of those kind of more plays out of structure – because you know in the NFL everything is not going to go exactly to a T, and we want to see what you can do. And I think he showcased some mobility. I don't think this is a guy that you classify as a athletic quarterback, right? Like he's not a running quarterback, but yeah. there's something to just being mobile and being able to make a play by making a defender miss and getting the ball out of your hands. So for CJ, I definitely think that game was a, a key game. And I'll even say the Michigan game. They lost that game, um, and you know I think that's why everybody kind of took it there because Michigan kind of they. They handed it to Ohio State, right? Yeah. But if you watch C.J. Straw throw for throw, man, he has some hell of five throws in that game. So I would go tell all of the listeners, like, you know, if you're trying to – if you want more than just a one-off of C.J. Straw performing against Georgia, definitely go check out the Michigan game also. And he he, he performed he, – like, he, he played really well. Yeah, no, no doubt. And even in a losing effort the last two seasons, like in the snow – I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba two years ago is really the guy who stood out. But C.J. Stroud was excellent in that game in the Rose Bowl against Utah. He's had plenty of moments where he's looked like that dude just consistently. Bryce Young. And you look at what he had around him at Alabama this past year, offensive skill talent wise, not anywhere near the same stratosphere as what C.J. Stroud had at Ohio State. And also we're used to watching at Alabama. Yeah, and, and so I said that on one of my scouting meetings, and you know how people, because you say, like, yeah, Bama receiver core is not that good, then people kind of look at you side-eye, like, okay, it's five stars, of course. You know what I'm saying? Like, But I right. think it finally started to play out, and people understood throughout the year that it, it just wasn't the same caliber of football players, whether that certain guys didn't step up, whether that's, you know, recruiting-wise, they didn't bring in the, white, the, the right wide receivers, you know, but it, it just wasn't the same caliber of play. And I think you've seen Bryce Young's um, – his his – play diminish a little bit which is expected but you also seen that hey this is still a high level cerebral type football player that can make plays and and maybe that you know because nine times out of ten you know either these teams they won't be great teams right like there's a reason why they're picking top five top ten so maybe that was more of a realistic snapshot of what you're going to get from Bryce Young because he's going to have to probably will a couple more teams in some close battles um versus just blowing everybody up because they're the most talented team yeah, no, outside of Jameer Gibbs, I don't really see a guy in that on that offense this past year that I absolutely would want to have on my football team if I'm an NFL uh, personnel exec right now. Now, looking at Ohio State, though, like CJ, he had barely he barely had Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to go first round after basically not playing a college football season. Marvin Harrison Jr., it looks like he's going to be the top wide receiver coming out next season. Uh, Abuku, it's just insane. Uh, yeah. Wealth of talent that they have out there at Ohio State. So it makes me wonder, because we bring up the concerns of, hey, it's a finally moment that we saw from him in that game against Georgia in the playoff. How concerned should people be about him being able to adapt to the NFL with Adam Thielen, an aging player, DJ Chark in a contract year trying to prove himself, Terrace Marshall, who hopefully can take that next step. It's not like this is the best group of pass catchers that either one of these guys is inheriting, but especially seeing that C.J. Stroud had the best in college football last year, would there be in a level concern of him coming into Carolina and not necessarily knowing how to elevate the talent around him because we've seen Bryce Young at least do that this past season in Alabama. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it is. A, I don't say it's concerned, but it's, it's definitely something to document. And then that's why I pointed to the coaching staff right when we first initially started talking about CJ Stroud and just I think they they should have the ability to be able to develop this guy. Um, because I, I'm a firm believer that the NFL they ruin 
more first round quarterbacks than they actually develop because they put them in bad situations, whether that's mm-hmm. offensive line, coaching staffs, dysfunction with the owner and, the, and the, the GM being on two different pages, right? Or just flat out bad teams. But I think what Carolina did by clearing house from the Matt Rule regime, they've brought in some real football guys, right? Like you're talking about a, a Deuce Staley, and just to give people like insight into the building right like it's not always necessarily just your quarterback coach that's going to be able to relate to you but you have a guy like Deuce Staley who has been there done that on the highest level and is an extremely respectable guy he's a guy that will be working with CJ Straw because he has the running backs who aligns right next to him in passport mm-hmm. right so this might be a guy to be able to communicate to CJ to be like hey look blitz pickup type situations that's you you know and, and it's those type of things that helps bring a young quarterback along so I think they've hit it with the coaching staff now the Talking about the actual receiver core, it could it be improved? And to be completely honest, yes, right? Like them trading away DJ Moore, that that's a big hurt. But I think them bringing in DJ Chark and then if Terrence Marshall can reach what he was at LSU, then I think that's a pretty good duo. And then you have veteran guys like Adam Thielen. Then they signed tight end what Hayden Hurst. So they're yeah. they're not the flashiest names, but it should be a, a solid, productive um, core. And based off of what was available in the free agent market at wide receiver this past free agency period, and you look at getting rid of DJ Moore, there's only so much they could have done. And I feel like they did the most they could by bringing in Adam Thielen and DJ Chark. And then you can even add in Miles Sanders who can catch the football of the backfield as well. The free agent running back comes over from Philadelphia in large part because of Deuce Daly being on the staff. So I do agree with you that it's not an overwhelming group, but they can be serviceable. They have a good offensive line. They have a good coaching staff. Like This is a much better situation that you would typically see from a rookie quarterback, whether it's C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young coming here to Carolina. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. This is what they did, and I, and I think it was a really good job. The, the best, I won't say all of the best, but majority of the top wide receivers in this draft are all guys that are sub six foot, sub 190 pounds, right? So you're talking about smaller wide receivers, smaller slot guys, explosive type football players. So I, I like the fact that they went, they possibly identified that, right? And then they went and got the big wide receivers via free agency. So that way, if they have to draft a wide receiver, now they can go get that slot wide receiver. But if they'd have, you know, signed a, a, a slot wide receiver, you know, in free agency and then tried to draft another one, now you're talking about having two wide receivers on the field that are 5, 10, 180 pounds so this still gives them the flexibility to draft the wide receiver later on and it's more of a complimentary piece to the big body guys that they already have on the team yeah well speaking of wide receiver i've been on record here on the show thinking that they should still target someone there at 39 uh, early on in the second round of the draft i, I know that jackson Smith and jigba he's not going to be there jordan addison usc he's probably gone as well now there's some other guys like jalen hyatt out of tennessee is he possibly someone that could be there who are some of the wide receivers early on in the second round you think could be available that would fit that mold of a slot receiver the carolina panthers could lean on for the next four plus years yeah, I have a couple guys, so I'm going to start with the, probably the most familiar to the listeners, right? And that's North Carolina's Josh Downs. I'm talking about a slot guy that's explosive. Everybody compares him to Tyler Lockett, and that's why I talked about just him being a complimentary piece to those big wide receivers, right? I think this is a guy you put him in a slot. He just simply knows how to get open, run after the catch, running routes. He's very precise, so I think that's that's one wide receiver. Then you're talking about if they possibly want him late, Wait a little later in the draft. There's wide receiver from Houston, Tank Dell, who 
this guy ran one of the most controversial four or five folders I've ever seen in my life, man. It looked like a four three, if you ask me. Controversial. Uh, <laughs> looked like a four three, if you ask me, man. But you're talking about explosive, take the top off. Um, he has inside outside versatility, so that's another guy. Um, and then this is a guy that's flying under the radar, and it's surprising for for the school that he's at. But at University of Oklahoma, Marvin Mims would be a name to circle, man. This is a guy that broke out onto scene this past year, but Oklahoma didn't have a good year, right? They had a, mm-hmm. they took a step back. So, you know, sometimes the national spotlight, it kind of gets reflected on the kids. But, man, I love this guy game. And you're talking about, like I said, another complimentary take the top off, work in the slot, work outside, run past any one type of wide receiver. So that's three guys that at the top of the second round, they definitely have a shot at drafting. Okay. Okay. I like that. Now, one guy that they potentially could look at too, because as they only have really one edge rusher that puts any fear in the hearts of defensive coordinators, that's Brian Burns, an excellent player who's likely going to sign an extension here uh, following the draft later on this month, probably early on next month. The Panthers could use another edge after watching Hassan Reddick go off in free agency, go back home to Philadelphia and have an outstanding season. You're kind of thinking, man, how do you let that guy go? But he wasn't in their plans, uh, according to him, at the right before the Super Bowl, saying that B.J. Ojolari is set to come here to Carolina for a top 30 visit. I know he's an LSU guy. You spent time at LSU. What can you tell us about him potentially being someone who could be right there, late first round, early second round, a possibility for the Carolina Panthers at 39? Yeah, um, already just a, a Hall of Fame person, man. You're talking about a, a guy that I've been knowing since he was 16, 17 years old, one of the most consistent guys, love for the game of football. Obviously, he has the NFL bloodlines with his brother Aziz, already being an NFL, comes from a great family, um, pro-ready, man. This is a guy that I think – um, you didn't see the very best of him at, at LSU. This is a guy that at, we recruited him as a 3-4 outside linebacker. Um, then we had a scheme change because obviously uh, Coach Aranda left and we went to a 4-3. So he's a guy, he had to kind of bite the bullet a little bit and play out of position, putting his hand on the ground. And we know that he's 240, 45 pounds, right? Um, somewhere yeah. around there. And that's not his best position. But I think if he's a kind of stand-up edge rusher and you put him in positions maybe early on to be a designated pass rush, you're going to see the better versions of B.J. Ajilari. So I, I like that selection in that spot, especially him being at Carolina, because he'll get the opportunity just to really get after the quarterback. And that's something that I'll say that he wasn't able to do at LSU his entire career. Yeah, well, 3-4 is the scheme they're going to be running here, at least the base scheme under the new D.C. Gerald Vero is coming over from Denver. Are there any other kind of 3-4 edge rushers that would make sense maybe early in the second round of 39 or maybe kind of the mid part of the third round at 93 for the Panthers? Yeah, so I have two guys. This guy, um, Byron Young from Tennessee, edge rusher, man. The guy ran a 4-4-40 yeah. at the NFL Combine. I just finished watching this tape, and I went through probably like the top 20 edge rushers, right? And there's a guy we just highlighted on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. But this is a guy you're talking about probably second or third most explosive step in this entire class, man. And that that's so important. You're talking about explosive speed, able to get around the edge, and, and pretty much the same narrative that I say with BJ. He was a hand-in-the-ground guy. I think his, yeah. best, his best option is to be um, a stand-up outside linebacker. He's a guy that I, I'm betting on. I just feel really good about his character and his pedigree. Okay. To, to being a, a pass rusher and him to be a double-digit sack guy. Like, I think he's probably – he has more of the tools than some of these other big names that we hear at the top end of the first um, – top end of the, you know, first round, top 15 picks. Um, The second guy, I think you mentioned pick 93 it was. Yeah. Um, So another guy to, to throw in who I believe would be in that range would be uh, Kansas State's – and I hope I'm going to say this name right – Felix Amiduke 
Uzoma. Man, this guy from Kansas State, he has really good bend. Um, he's a heavier guy. He's probably about 260, 265. Um, but like I said, really good bend. He's fluid. He's smooth. The production is there, and he's very strong. So I think he can be a very good complimentary piece to Brian Burns. Okay. I like that because I think that's something the Panthers certainly need to be identifying in the draft. And they could find someone who could be NFL ready, whether it's Ojolari or Byron Young, especially from Tennessee. That would make a lot of sense. Those guys having that SEC pedigree. Now, the other position I'm kind of looking at kind of right there in the second round or at 93 in the third round is corner. I know Joey Porter Jr. He's got NFL pedigree as well. He's a Penn State guy. Looked really good this past year. Is he someone that would be available in the second round? Because I've seen some mocks that have him going on in the first round. So I'm kind of thinking uh, he might not be there. If he's not there, <laughs> who else could potentially fill it? Because I've heard this is a very deep cornerback draft. And the Carolina Panthers certainly could use someone, especially with the injury issues that they've had the last couple of years with an LSU Tiger and Dante Jackson. And then, of course, J.C. Horn also having some issues and not having a lot of depth behind those two guys. Yeah, so I, I think uh, <laughs> I don't think Joey Porter would be there, unfortunately, yeah. man. I, I think the, the the tape plus the bloodlines, the name, there's <laughs> I, I doubt it that he'll be there. But you know, it's the draft, right? Anything happened, but I wouldn't bank on it. Um, so if we're talking about, let's say, the second round, they're looking at a corner. Um, there, there are a couple guys that they can really go after in the area, and I will go back to South Carolina, man. Go back to it, and that's South Carolina's defensive back, and there's actually two. So let's talk about both of those guys, man. Okay. Cam Smith is a cornerback that's flying under the radar that no one's talking about. Had extreme ball production. And this is a guy that's slated to go somewhere middle second round late second round but the the production the physicality the fluid hips everything is there and then i'll talk about his running mate and this is a guy that i think they should be able to nab in the third round and this is a guy that i relatively knew nothing about until i went to the um the senior bowl right? i went to the senior bowl in late january early february and his first rep man i seen him in one-on-ones and for you know all of the listeners one-on-ones are meant for wide receivers to win, right? They have the entire field yeah. to get after it. Like, it's meant, it's meant for wide receivers to win. And this is a guy that was just really sticky in coverage. He was physical. I think he measured in at 6-1 um, ball skills. He really showcased well in one-on-ones. What I believe that is the hardest thing to do as a defensive back is to play press man-to-man. And he checked most of those boxes for me. So I think both South Carolina corners should definitely be in play for the Carolina Panthers. So Cam Smith, who was the other guy? I, I think I missed the name. Yeah, Darius Rush. Darius Rush. Okay. Hey, I mean, hey, we got you. You said earlier you feel like we're an ACC country. Once upon <laughs> a time, that was the case. Now, when I go anywhere here in Charlotte, I'm always seeing a bunch of South Carolina Gamecocks, and we feel like we're an SEC country. And if you if you do the mileage, I, I want to say Columbia might be a little bit closer than Winston-Salem, North Carolina, or the closest ACC school with, with Wake Forest. So, I don't know. We're kind of right in the middle of it. The SEC <laughs> Network's also located here. So, we're kind of getting overrun. So, we're kind of right there in the borderline of ACC and SEC. So, there's plenty of South Carolina fans, I'm sure, that would love to see either one of those guys here in Carolina. Now, let's talk about a couple of Panthers that have some LSU ties, just knowing your LSU background. Being there in 2019, I can't even imagine just seeing the talent every single day on the field in the locker room in that building. But Terrace Marshall was a dude who, even with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, stood out on his own as a really good player that 2019 season, especially when he was healthy, because he did miss a couple of games in the middle of part of that season. But when he was out there, touchdown machine. Now, we've seen in the NFL, sometimes it takes guys a couple years to really make that leap. We saw from year two to three, Brian Burns go from a good player to a pro bowler. We saw Derek Brown go from an okay player to a really solid defensive line piece last year for the Carolina Panthers. So I'm thinking, 
could this be the year, year two to year three, where you could see a guy like Terrace Marshall finally healthy, new scheme, new quarterback, being able to step up and be maybe that number two wide receiver, really step up and be a key player for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and, and he definitely has all the tools. And this is a guy that I watched in practice, another guy I've been knowing since he was 15 years old, right? Like since high school, then obviously, you know, through our time at LSU together, watched him in practice every single day, man. The physical tools, they're, they're all there. They're all there. Um, It's just the, the injury part, right? And it's, it's a matter of him, you know, just trying to stay healthy. And, and injuries are so unfortunate, right? Because it's not something that players wish upon themselves, but it's something right. that could be extremely frustrating on both sides of it because especially as fans, you know, you see the talent and you're like, man, I really just want you to stay healthy. And you're, you're right because even that 2019, 2020 season, uh, Terrace got injured. I'm pretty, I'm, if I remember correctly. And at that moment he was leading our team in touchdown receptions. So yeah. that just goes to show you how talented that guy is. Right. And I think, yeah, if he can put it together and you have, you know, the mixed bag of um, Adam Thielen and then, uh, DJ Chark mixed in with Terrace Marshall. I think there's some really good things to be there because what he what he has is a rare short area quickness for big guys. Usually big guys are long striders. Um, you know, the short area quickness is not there, but Terrace has that man. This is a guy that I've seen day in and day out, just know how to get open, soft hands, smooth runner, natural athlete. I know it's a high bar that his former LSU teammates have set. Jamar Chase has been unreal since the end of the league. Justin Jefferson maybe even better. I, you, people can argue with themselves who's better. I don't, I don't even care. I enjoy watching both of those play. Like Ken Terrace, who you mentioned before he got injured, he was leading the team in touchdown receptions that year where Joe Burrow and that old tire offense went insane. Can he even reach that level? Could he get close to what those guys have been able to produce whenever he's healthy? Yeah, uh, so you know that that's you put me on the spot, man. That's tough. And now you're asking me. I mean, how much I want to know that you do, do you believe in your guy or not? <laughs> you're Give me hope. Me, can, you're asking me, can he be the best wide receiver in the NFL, right? And that's like you said, that's that's a high bar. But am I am I just being completely honest, man? If you ask me, does Terrace Marshall have what it takes to be a Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver? And I would say with all confidence, yes, he does. Like I said, seeing him day in and day out, he has it all. You get a healthy Terrace Marshall, a quarterback that could get him the ball for 16, 17 games, you can get Pro Bowl level productivity out of Terrace Marshall. Okay. That, hey, that's all <laughs> we're really asking for. <laughs> asking to get Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, that's uh, uh, that's not fair to anybody, especially me asking you that. So I appreciate yeah, that was you. <laughs> hey, but I like your answer either way because you kind of skated around it, but then you still no, no, It was political. It was a political answer, right? It was, hey, it was, it was a great hey, answer. My, <laughs> I need you to run for offers here. Uh, um, yeah, just and it also, I guess, you know, they've been looking at pass catching tight ends. Stephon Sullivan's a guy who's kind of gotten a couple opportunities with the old regime. He's now back here, coming back for another season. Is there, could you see him maybe with an opportunity developing into somebody who could be kind of that secondary pass catching tight end option in the NFL for, for a team, just based off what you've seen from him in the league and also just kind of his development back when he's at LSU? Yeah, and I, I so and everybody has to understand when he you know played at LSU and then making a the transition to the NFL, right? You're talking about tight end, and then tight ends right now. It, it's such a it's a weird position, right? Because we don't know if we want him to block, we don't know if we want him to be pure wide receivers. And this is a guy that was a pure wide receiver his entire career at LSU, right? So asking him to get down there and block that may not necessarily be his thing. So it's a matter of him making a transition, like to a new position while playing in the NFL at the highest level, yeah. right? And, you know, that, that could be very difficult. But I think if you decide to use Stephon Sullivan in situations where he's working the middle of the field, he's a big body, 
quarterback, throws the ball to him, gives him an opportunity. This is a guy that can make plays. I, I have all the trust that Stephon Sullivan is tough across the middle. I have all the trust that he can get open, right? It's just a matter of what is what are you going to ask out of Stephon Sullivan as a tight end? If you're going to ask him to block, I'm not completely sure. But if you're going to ask him to be that kind of convert, wide receiver, flex, tight end situation, and possibly be a complimentary piece to Hayden Hurst, I definitely think there's a role for there for him with that situation. Yeah, because that's absolutely what Carolina look, needs to look for. I don't know if they're going to target a tight end in the draft. I could see them uh, potentially doing that, but they do have a guy like Stephon Sullivan on the roster. Also have Tommy Trimble, who's entering his third year, who could potentially have – he has kind of the tools to be that, just hasn't really been that at Notre Dame. And as you mentioned, coming to the NFL yeah. at the highest level, it's really hard to develop into that kind of play if you've never really been that back in the past. But I, before I let you go, I, I can't have someone who's on that 19 LSU staff not tell me a story about Coach O. Because oh, I, I loved, I, I loved <laughs> listening to that dude talk. I loved his entire personality. You know, things in, in right in the end, but still, I've always been a big fan of Coach Ed Ogeron. Is there any Coach O story with you personally interacting with him that you can share on the show that our listeners would, would enjoy? Oh man, this, I, I don't think anything we could say over FCC Airways, man. <laughs> that was my concern. <laughs> we may have to cancel this episode if I get into any stories, man. But listen, I'll say this about Coach O, man. One of the most intense um, coaches I've ever seen talking about passion about the game of football. Um, and you're talking about getting ready for a game. This is a guy that's all in, right? Like in what you got day in, day out on the podium and the, the tidbits you were able to get. That was not an act. That was the real thing. That was him 24-7. So you better be ready. And something he will always say is tape your ankles. And it'll be 4 o'clock in the morning. He, You know, we'd be just showing up to work. He'd be like, tape your ankles, Sanchez. Let's go. And, you know, that, and that's just him. And it, it could be 10 o'clock at night. And he's still yelling, tape your ankles. Come on, let's go. Because he's always ready to battle. You knew that he's been a defensive line coach for 30 years. And it shows day in and day out. Yeah, no doubt, man. Coach, yo, he's something, man. That's a that's a personality I would love to sit down, talk with one of these days. But man, that's so cool that you guys be down there with those guys. And I really appreciate all your insight here on the show. Keith Sanchez, one of the hosts of the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast. Of course, follow that wherever you get your podcast and watch it over on YouTube. He's a senior NFL draft analyst at the Draft Network 2019 National Champion, former lead personnel analyst there at LSU the Bayou Bengals. Follow him on Twitter at the talent code. Keith, appreciate you again, man, popping it here on the show. Oh, no problem, man. All right, we'll take a quick pause here on Locked on Panthers. Come back and uh, wrap up the show. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Great conversation there with Keith Sanchez at the Talent Code on Twitter, one of the hosts of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, alongside Damian Parsons, Senior NFL Draft Analyst at the Draft Network 2019 National Champion, down there with Coach O, Terrace Marshall. Joe Brady, the former OC here in Carolina. So really good insight on some of those LSU guys that are here on the roster. Also, some of the players that are coming up here in the draft and his thoughts on Bryce Young and on CJ Stroud. And, oh boy, 15 days. We are almost there to finally getting an answer to who is going to be the franchise quarterback here in Carolina. It's feeling like it's going to be 
Bryce. And I will say this. David Tepper had this team move up to number one overall because he wanted to make sure that they got a quarterback. But he also wanted to make sure that they got the quarterback that he wanted. Listening to all of the noise over the last couple of days and really the last week that is now leading towards Bryce Young being the favorite at FanDuel, co-favorite with C.J. Stroud and some of the other sports without there are also having him as the solo favorite to go number one overall in Carolina. That really makes you think that David Tepper could be pushing for Bryce Young. So don't get it twisted, y'all. Scott Fitter, Dan Morgan, everyone out there in that front office, they're doing plenty of the scouting. They're going to have plenty of a say. Frank Reich's going to have a say in what happens. Josh McCown's going to have a say in the quarterback. But make no mistake, David Tepper is going to get the guy that he wants. If the staff wants Stroud and Tepper wants Young, it's going to be Bryce Young. They're going to have to really convince him that C.J. Stroud is the guy. And then vice versa. If the staff wants Young and David Tepper saying, I don't know, y'all. He's real small. I'm not feeling that. They're going to have to really convince him that's the guy. So I really think that David Tepper, just seeing what we've seen from him in the past, is still going to have a massive influence because he did not sign up for them to go to number one overall to pick the wrong quarterback and a quarterback that he does not 100% believe in can be the franchise quarterback here in Carolina. So we'll see who it's going to be. 15 days from now, April 27th in Kansas City, Missouri, we will all find out who the number one pick will be here in Carolina. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours, Julie, Julian Council. Make sure to watch your show and subscribe to the show for free over on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Friday I'll be back to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me if you'd like to participate in this week's edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Steven Ruiz, a diehard Carolina Panthers fan and really a Carolina Panthers masochist at some point in time as he was watching Matt Rule and was very upset about the team. The last time we had him on, he was not feeling Baker Mayfield. And I had some people say, God, that guy's super negative. Well, Baker was no good, so he was right. People don't want to hear it, though. They don't want to hear it there in the moment. But when it comes true, you never hear from them being like, man, you know what? That guy was right to not have any faith in Baker Mayfield. Now, I had faith in Baker Mayfield, so I looked like the fool, and Steven did not. But Steven has thoughts on who the Carolina Panthers excuse me, should be taking with the number one overall pick, and I want to hear his thoughts. So he'll be here on the show tomorrow, hopefully more cheery than he was last time we had him back, I believe, in August this past summer ahead of the 2022 season. Uh, But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding, and I'll talk to you alongside Stephen Ruiz on Thursday. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 